everyone, and welcome to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Brooke-Puppets. I'm Joe. And I'm Nick. Yeah, and uh, so this is a very casual episode of Out of Our Heads, because Nick, you're recording from a pool? I'm recording from uh, a pool at a five-star hotel, because I'm an uh, extravagant human being. Right, and not because you're on vacation. Well, I mean, that's what extravagant I mean, a, people a, a do, bit Joe. of both. <laughs> What? <laughs> Extravagant people at hotels are on vacation. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah, how, how are you? Uh, I'm really good. I've just been relaxing. You know, I, I've realized that there's there's really something to say about the classic idea of uh, vacation, you know? Like just mm-hmm. sitting by a pool or, or the ocean and just reading all day and like sleeping. Right, That's yeah. That's pretty good. And I feel like I've, it's the first time I've appreciated that really. Yeah, it's I've been a, a kid very... before and just sort of like need to run around and like be on bouncy houses this time around i'm just like you know what it's really good to just like have nothing to do and just like swim or not swim those are the two states of being i can't even fathom not being relaxed so there you go you have a thing for me i believe joe i've always had a thing for you that's the truth oh wow Uh, thank you my thing this week is a is a movie is a 2009 movie titled the proposal have you heard of it i have not 2009 film starring Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, and it's a romantic comedy, so it's it's pretty great. Anyways, uh, romantic comedy is my favorite genre of film mm-hmm. because it combines the two most effective stories you can tell in two hours: comedy and romance. In my opinion, uh, I disagree. <laughs> okay, I, wow. I think I think that like long sweeping romances are best told in in television or long form mediums because I don't think two hours can adequately capture that experience. Something that for so, real people lasts months or years. The thing about relationships on television is that they, that's not how shows work. Shows aren't about a relationship. They're about other things. They're about some drama and also relationships. Unless oh, you're, it's you're, like, you're, you're right that, that in TV shows it's cyclical because we need a status quo. Except at the same time, I think that hypothetically a long-form narrative is best for something. Uh, like a wrong on... TV show, basically. Is what yeah, yeah. Except that those don't really exist unless they're soap operas, in which case they're bad. Right, so, I mean, soap operas are also very cyclical. Keep yeah, it. The rom-coms work, Joe. The romance and romantic comedies works because it's 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 you know simple, it's believable sometimes, you know, often believable because mm-hmm. you say, oh, these two are laughing together, having a conversation. I believe that you know they have a relationship. It's not about knowing the ins and outs of their relationship. It's about believing that they like each other. Right. Sure. I'm not. I'm not saying that I dislike romance movies. I I just think that there's a structural f- flaw there. I suppose. I don't. You're wrong. I'm telling you, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm okay. telling you, I, you know, it is possible for a romance to affect you in two hours. And it happens oh, yeah, I agree. I just think and that the, the comedy movies. I think the ideal form of a, of a romance uh, story would be long yeah. form. And I, I just, I've never seen that, so I can't agree or disagree. Okay. Because that doesn't exist. There's the thing about that. There's, there's no. Name one, name one long form rom-com. You can't. <laughs> Yeah, do it. Name one. I mean, I'm tempted to say How I Met Your Mother, but that's not actually a rom-com. But that's, yeah. I mean, it sort of is, but it's, you know, it's not about one relationship. Also, I feel like in How I Met Your Mother, the actual, like, the mother relationship <laughs> is probably, like, two hours. <laughs> I think it's I think it's it's shorter. Probably, probably less, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you could sort of say that about How I Met Your Mother. But I feel like a lot of it isn't really developing the relationships as much as it is like just the comedy. Mm, yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that 
I mean, look, my favorite genre of television show is the sitcom because hypothetically it does allow for the expansion of relationships and the, the deepening of characters because it's, yeah. it's a hangout thing. Do you think that How I Met Your Mother does a good job with the relationships? Uh, I actually, I've, I've, I'm spotty on How I Met Your Mother, so... Yeah, me too. I was just thinking that, but looking back, I wasn't thinking of, like... I, I wow, don't... I really, I really remember, you know, Ted and Robin's dynamic. I, I don't, is the thing. I'm not the biggest How I Met Your Mother fan. Okay. I, I was just bringing up because I, I was talking about it earlier with a friend. Because I, I confronted you and asked you to name one. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Hmm. No, that's you know that's that is the one. I probably that's probably the right answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm sure it exists. I just we we haven't seen it. Yeah. So I guess this is a bad argument. The proposal you were talking about. Yeah, it's pretty great. I like it a lot. Um, it's you know I feel like the chemistry. Both actors are you know great, uh, and I think that their chemistry works very well. And it's one of those things where they well they hate each other at first. So how how this movie starts is that there's a powerful you know sandra bullock is playing this like boss right and everybody at the office hates her but she's like gets what she wants all the time she's good at her job right she's kick-ass that's the idea mm-hmm. and her assistant is ryan reynolds and he's like worrisome he gets her coffee and is afraid to lose his job and they're i think book editors i don't know i don't really know uh and then in this sort of more ridiculous aspect of the story sandra bullock is canadian is being deported uh, <laughs> and so she you know she fakes marriage with She's like, oh, actually, my assistant and I are getting married, so I don't have to be deported, which is, you know, I, I like it. I think it's a good little situation. And then they, basically what drives this movie is sort of a little bit ridiculous and probably one of the worst parts where this, you know, you know the government, I guess, sort of deportation is, you know, sort of this funny guy. And he's like, I always get my man. Uh, and he's, he's like, well, I'm going to ask you guys serious questions about your relationships. So you better not be faking. Uh, so they, you know, they go to Ryan Reynolds' family's house in Alaska. And they, you know, have spent, I don't know, let's say a weekend together and slowly get to know each other while before they hated each other. That's, you know, how it goes. Right. Um, and, I mean, this movie looks very nice. I feel like the, you know, the set in Alaska is really, it's a big house. It's, it's you know, it's nice. It's nice to look at, honestly. And sort of the idea is that Ryan Reynolds lies to his family and, you know, his family escalates the, the thing so they get married that weekend, that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's like a big lie. Uh, but it's not really a liar revealed thing, which I enjoy. And I don't know, I'd like, you feel the chemistry and you feel sort of the awkwardness. And I think it is very funny. You know, uh, a lot of the side characters are pretty funny. There's a couple, you know, gross out jokes that I didn't enjoy that much. Like, you know, for the most part, all these jokes laugh out loud and they, they hit on point for me. The story aspects with the government uh, is a little, gets a little ridiculous. Like he comes to visit them in Alaska. I think that's ridiculous. And he's like menacing, talks to Ryan Reynolds' father. Like it's a little like, that. that's a little bit too much. But actually the rest of it's pretty like, you know, believable, and that sounds strange, but, like, it gets a little ridiculous, especially towards the end, with, like, you know, chasing chasing around in airports. I don't know, I think it's well thought out in terms of the plot um, at, at the end there. Not that, you know, there's that much plot. The rest of it is just sort of comedy. Right. And then there's, there's something I noticed in this movie, because I actually had seen it before, which is the second time. Something I noticed the second time is that there's lots of little details that I, like, make the world feel bigger, and I didn't realize that happened in the first one. But it definitely, like, the second time I watched it, it was, like, very effective. There's just, like, little lines of dialogue that are, like, little details that sort of come across the second time I was watching those. Really cool. Um, yeah, and I, it definitely builds up. And by the end of it, there is a proposal. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't feel too dramatic in the way that they're, like, oh, we love each other forever now after a weekend, which I sort of enjoyed. Basically, by the end of it, they haven't decided that they're the love of each other's lives. But they decide to get married so she can stay and he can, you know, they can date each other. 
mm-hmm. which I think was sort of a fun, fun take. Yeah, so overall, I like, you know, I want to say it's a pretty perfect movie. Like, there's a couple things that bother me, but, you know, it's an effective romance and comedy, which make, you know, make it close to being a perfect movie for me, which is strange because it, it feels so sort of smaller than other movies. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just a rom-com, but, like, I, I enjoyed it a lot. A rom-com can be close to perfect. It's just that it is a rom-com. And I don't think there's a problem with that. I think that it still is a very good, I mean, in this, you know, a good movie that I enjoyed this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I definitely recommend it to pretty much anyone. I mean, it's funny, and it's charming, and it's nice to look at. And it's, that's it. I mean, it's good. So Excellent. you should watch the proposal. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, I get angry at a lot of rom-coms because a lot of them are bad, but this one's good. And so when they're good, it, it really hits for me. Yeah, Ben was also telling me about uh, You've Got Mail, which I think you guys watched together. Which Oh, because I love that good. movie so much. <laughs> what a good movie. You've Got Mail is, is so good. I, one of my favorite movies, for sure. Yeah. But alternatively, you know, same cast, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, in Sleepless in Seattle sucks. I fucking, sorry, I hate Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> it's so bad. And you can't, like, that's the thing, you can't tell which ones are good because you go on the internet and you're going to say, ooh, you know, what's a good rom-com? And it's going to tell you, like, Love Actually and, like, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, you've heard of, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you watch those and they're garbage. They're such garbage. But then there's, like, these hidden gems everywhere and they, they make for some of the, you know, best movies I know. Joe, that is my thing for you. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll I check it out. You should watch it. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, what I read this week on the 4th of July, because I, I decided to spend all of my day doing this, uh, was I read Secret Empire, which is the 2017 Marvel Comics event, the one where Captain America works for Hydra. He's a Hydra sleeper <laughs> sleeper agent. Is that the one where he's a Nazi? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's okay, the cool. one. Yeah, I never read that, but I remember yeah. us talking about it. And... It, was, it was very controversial in the year 2017. And yeah. now that I've read it, I can say that uh, it's bad. It's it's not good. It's all very convoluted. It's incredibly long. I think including all like the essential tie-ins, it's something towards six hundred pages. Which is oh, did you read six hundred pages? I did. I I, oh I spent God. I spent all of the Fourth of July reading this. <laughs> so what's controversial about it versus what you know the actual story is? Right. So the big controversy was oh they made. From a lot of people's perspectives, they made Captain America a Nazi. And, you know, I'm not going to refute that. I think that there are very clear parallels with Hydra and Nazism. Like, that is something that they very intentionally did. They wanted to be, uh, I think, controversial and uh, provocative. Yeah. I, I think the premise of Captain America working for Hydra is not my biggest issue with the, the series or the event. Mm-hmm. Um. I think, you know, once you've been writing a character for 75 years, uh, which I think it, or it was 76 years at the time it came out, there's only so many things you can do with a character, and I think Captain America is a very flexible character, uh, but at the same time, this is also a story we were going to get and have gotten previously, I think, actually a better version of the story, which I definitely recommend checking out, is um, uh, What If Number 44, uh, What If Captain America Were Revived Today, uh, from, <laughs> which, not today. So this happened before. Yes, uh, it was a it was a what if storyline, so it wasn't in main continuity, um, but there was a story, and I don't want to give away the twist, but it was very similar to this. It was written in the eighties. It's it's one of the best Captain America comics I've ever read. Actually, it's one issue, and that's incredible. And this is, I think, drawing a lot of parallels with it in how it's addressing things like fascism, how that's supposed to come to power. But I think where Secret Empire, the twenty seventeen story, fails is that it doesn't actually address how that happens, because 
in the story, Hydra just kind of takes over the United States government very quickly because Steve Rogers has a convoluted plan to lock out a lot of the more powerful heroes outside of the Earth and to put New York City under a giant dome. Well, I have to ask, is it is he really working for Hydra or is it some, you know, convoluted brainwashing? Uh, well, type? so the deal with that is that Hydra he has used the Cosmic Cube to essentially take an alternate reality version of Steve Rogers and imprint him on the main version. So what ends up happening in the story, uh, I don't think anyone will really care if we spoil it. It's a couple years old and also, uh, you know, it's a comics event, so they're <laughs> unspoilable. But so in, in, in the recent Captain America series, the Cosmic Cube had been turned into a little girl whose name was Kobik. What? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the Red Skull had befriended her and convinced her that Hydra was the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> and okay. at she the time of... <laughs> little girls are easily convinced of things. <laughs> I suppose so, under this story's logic. And at the time of this story, she has been disintegrated, I guess? And there are fragments of the Cosmic Cube scattered across the globe. And most of the story is a fetch quest... So they have to go and get the different pieces of the Cosmic Cube. Hydra is trying to take it because they want to completely remake the world in their image. And the heroes are trying to take it because once they realize what's going on, they want to revert Steve Rogers to his regular, you know, good non-fascist version. Right. And so that goes on for like five issues. And it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> There's a segment where they go to a part of the world, I believe Alaska, that Ultron has taken over. Oh, Alaska, nice. Yeah, um, but I think it's issue four. There's this completely irrelevant side quest they go on where uh, all the Hydra people and all the all the uh, our heroes meet up and Ultron makes them have a family dinner. <laughs> and it's funny, okay. but it's completely unnecessary. You know, that sounds like that movie, The Proposal. <laughs> it's done with a lot. But and also, did you count that issue in your 600 pages? I did, because it's part of the oh. main series. That's part okay. of the main event. It's not a tie-in. No, I'm just, just wondering. <laughs> I'm including the free comic book day issue, all of the main series, and also the Captain America issues that were tie-ins to it, which you need to read to understand the story, which they don't tell you, but you do. Okie doke. Uh, there's a lot of weird continuity rewriting, which I, I don't normally care about too much, because it's it's... But at the same time, it's it's weird because it seems like the writer, Nick Spencer, was attempting to take the story in a different direction than what uh, uh, the broader Marvel editorial wanted, I suppose. Because at the time of, of this story, Tony Stark was in a coma. Uh, and in this story, they just kind of bring him back by saying that... Uh, so there's an AI version of Tony that he has given to Riri Williams, who's the, the, the Iron Heart. Uh, yeah. his successor. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they basically give that Tony a version of an old Iron Man armor and say, oh, he can walk around in it. <clears throat> and so Tony Stark is just in this story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, there's a subplot which I don't think ever resolves about the AI being drunk. What? Or, or it is explained away as like, oh, well, he's doing something to his programming. Yeah, alright. Another thing in this, the Hulk shows up. He was also dead during um, this time period. And it's completely unexplained. Hydra has a version of the Hulk. But what we're supposed to get 
which they never explain, is that this is the ultimate universe version of the Hulk, and we're supposed to know that because he speaks in lowercase font. <laughs> okay, so this comic sounds convoluted, not great. Oh, this comic... Great. Nick, this comic is bananas. There are some okay. things I like. Like, I, I, I do kind of like the idea of bringing in Ultimate Hulk and using him as a weapon. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense. And it's not explained. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> sorry, you were saying? So, did you enjoy it? I didn't really. It's it's very convoluted. There's this other plot line. I, 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 keep, I hate to keep saying it's convoluted. Because that's not the main point of the story. I think, you know, I'd be willing to forgive the convoluted nature if it was if it actually had anything meaningful to say about what it's talking about because it's talking about fascism it's talking about you know how do these um tyrannical governments take over and what do they do once they do it and there's not really any consequences like they just use vague things resembling nazi imagery and they don't really say how these organizations come to power. They don't address racism or sexism or how any of that or how, like... Yeah, I, I think the real failure of the story is it just fails to address, like, any of the fairly important themes that it's setting up. Or I, I have character issues with it. Like, I think that Sam Wilson, who was Captain America at the time of the story, uh, Falcon, uh, like, he's barely in it, <laughs> which is weird. Because he should maybe be the main character. Okay. Um, there's this whole subplot about Black Widow training Miles Morales and the other teenage heroes to become assassins in order to kill Steve Rogers, which is supposed to tie in to this thread from Civil War II about Miles Morales receiving a vision from the future that he's going to kill Steve Rogers. Um, and what ends up happening is that Captain America kills Black Widow, and then Miles goes into a rage and almost kills Captain America, but then the Wasp just tells him, Hey, Miles, you're Spider-Man. You're not a killer. And he's like, Oh, right, I am Spider-Man. I'm not a killer. And that's the end of that. <laughs> huh. Uh, I've, I don't know. I've, I've, I've talked about this, you know, middling comic enough. I, All right, fair enough. You want yeah. to talk about Spider-Man? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Spider-Man. Uh, what'd you think? I feel I, I, I feel like you like this more than me. I thought that it was entertaining. I mean, you know, this is how I feel about most Marvel movies, is that I think in general you're more invested in what's actually happening, and I'm sort of just there for the, the ride. Right. Um, uh, and for me, this was a fun ride. I liked it. It had uh, funny moments, had cool action. Uh, I got to see, you know, cool set pieces. Something was always going on. I was never bored. And, it, you know, for me overall, it was a fun time. Like, I... You know, just as good as the last one to me. Do you want to get into more of your heavy set opinions? Or should we, uh, let's do it, we can do a premise. Do you want to do a premise? Do a premise. Uh, yeah, one. sure. So, you know, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, uh, the premise of this movie, Spider-Man is going on a on a vacation to Europe with a lot of his, his teenage friends. Um, it, it's, um, and he comes into contact with a character named Mysterio, who I think uh, we can say is a villain. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. In 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 case you were unaware, you know he's maybe the sixth most famous Spider-Man villain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's um it's Peter. Wait, Joe. Wait, Joe, wait a moment. Is he in the Sinister Six? Uh, I believe he is. No. Sometimes. No, he's not. Mm, I think he's the seventh. I mean, the Sinister Six vary is the thing. Yeah, but he's never in the six. Not really. 
So the original one is, yeah, Mysterio, Electro, Dr. Octopus, Vulture, Sandman, and Craven. Craven the Hunter. Uh, Craven the Hunter, thank you. Yeah. As opposed to Craven. Okay, fair enough. I'll take it. Hey, you think the next one's going to be Craven? Scorpion. Scorpion will take his place, though. Yeah. Mm. I think he's the seventh most. That's my mm. bold statement. <laughs> he's the yeah, sixth, I mean, sixth and then Mysterio. I'll yeah, all right. Green Goblin, so eighth. He's I mean, eighth. Green, Green Goblin is, like, number one, which is interesting because, like, you know, I think he's only really there because he, he killed Gwen Stacy. Mm. Okay. Like, like, he, he I mean, was... You know, he's in the first movie. Yeah, he's in the first which movie. Which I also watched recently. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. He was in that Ultimate comic we read last week. Right. I mean, the thing people forget sometimes is that he, he died in that same issue, where Gwen Stacy dies. He was dead up until, like, 2008. Or until one more day, which might have been 2007. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know um, that. <laughs> As a casual viewer of Spider-Man movies and sometimes the new comics, I thought Green Goblin was a bigger deal. Right. Eh, whatever. No, I mean, I, 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 there have been iterations of Green Goblin. There have been the Hobgoblin. There have been, um, yeah. I don't like Hobgoblin. I mean, the thing about Hobgoblin is there are, like, a bunch of different ones. Something I like about this movie is that pretty much every bad thing that happens is in some way Peter Parker's fault, which is a very Spider-Man thing. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, even the... How, how, how deep do we want to go into spoilers? Mm. Not much? Ankle deep. Ankle deep. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a vignette uh, in the middle of the movie that I felt was fairly uncomfortable, uh, where one of Peter Parker's classmates, uh, I think you know, a, a rival for MJ's affections in this movie, his name's Brad, uh, finds Peter doing Spider-Man things and thinks that he's something illicit. Uh, right. And there, there's a whole ten-minute segment devoted to that, which I thought was completely unnecessary, uh, with the exception that it sets up something big. Um, and I felt that that time could have been used to flesh out the Peter and MJ relationship, which I, I think is fairly lacking in this movie. Mm, I agree. That was actually my biggest problem with this. That I didn't feel any chemistry between Zendaya and Peter Parker. Tom Holland Nothing. is the actor. Yeah, Tom Holland. Zero. I was, the whole time, I, look, I understood why he liked her. You know, it makes sense. But he, there was a couple of times where, you know, it indicates that she likes him too. And I, I haven't seen the first one in a while. I was like, why? Like, why does she like him? He's not. He's done nothing but like be awkward around you. I mean, I, 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 I think the idea there, which is something that is sort of cribbed from the comics, is that yeah, you know, she knows he's Spider-Man, and so she thinks, oh wow, there must be something there. I think by the end of the movie, we're supposed to understand that you know, despite her suspecting he's Spider-Man or you know any, I think she, it's supposed to be that she likes him anyway. Right. right? Yeah. Fair point. I think Fair that's point. pretty clear. Um, so I don't. I don't think really there are sort of not you're not the best romance and i i don't know like you know given that's a pretty big part of the film in terms of peter's motivation like the whole thing like his conflict in this movie is sort of yeah screwing up but also like at the same time trying to avoid sort of his hero business to just like relax and like impress this girl which i right. that was a fun premise i liked a lot but I yeah think i like that too because because the relationship is lacking you know it just falls flat a little in that aspect um yeah, and it just you don't you don't feel it as much in terms of like why is this happening? like he it just sort of it feels stupid because it's like all right Peter's doing this like thing and this is a motivation but it doesn't really make much sense just because mm -hmm. like you don't feel that those two characters really have anything going on too much whereas if they did it would be 
you know, higher stakes. It would be like, oh, you know, this makes sense that he likes this girl this much. This is a big part of this movie. And half, half of this movie is romance or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, all right. I mean, something you said to me um, when we were exiting the theater was that mm-hmm. the movie sort of operates on on middle school crush logic for the romance. Yeah, right, because, I mean, all you know, it's all one-sentence things. It's like, Peter likes MJ. He's worried she doesn't like him. You know, she secretly does like him. There it is. Like, you know, it's just not enough time to, like, even believe that they're yeah, liking yeah. each other. I mean, I, I, I wish MJ was more fleshed out in this movie. Like, she has elements of a character that I really like. I didn't think that MJ wasn't an interesting or, like, thought-out character. I thought that she was, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing, me saying this stuff about the romance sounds like, you know, she's not very fleshed out. But actually, I think that, you know, the acting there and the the writing for the, you know, the... Um, for one of the scenes for her is, is actually really good. And she comes across really well. I think, um, there's, there's one where she's, there's actually two, there's one where she goes up to Peter and she has this sort of funny bit, uh, in Italy, um, where she's interested in this word bull, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Oh yeah. I, I, I like that. I actually think that she came across really well in that. I understood that she's sort of like, you know, I, I hate things, but like sort of in a fun way, like she's, she's sort of joking around all the time, even though she's being cynical and like edgy, you know? Right. And then, you know, later in the movie, you sort of get the idea that she's sort of, you know, a little bit anxious, self-conscious, and she's sort of hiding it with that. And I think that comes across actually really well, even in a few scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that. It's, it's very, you know, it's a, a fun spin on, you know, the traditional Mary Jane character we get. Like, she's yeah. less of a party girl and more of like, you know, she's going to go out and do things, which is good and a very good modernization of that character. Yeah, and I like that she's not just like, oh, she's edgy. Like, there's also, you know, there is sensitivity to her. Like, it's... It, it's not just like, oh, this is the new Mary Jane, you know, she's, she doesn't care, and she's angry, and she is sarcastic, things like that. She also is, like, comes across as nice sometimes, comes across as, you know, like, she, she can be both. She's, you know, feels more like a real person. Yeah. Well, so I think that's good. They're also but sort of... Time, yeah, I mean, they, they're also sort of bringing in elements of, you know, the, the... I guess Mary Jane from the Ultimate Comics, where she is smarter, uh, she's a bit nerdier, because, uh, yeah. you know, she's on the science team field trip. You know, I think there are hints of her maybe wanting to be a reporter in this that I think are interesting. All right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't think they did a bad job with her character, so I was pretty happy with that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of the best parts of the movie. And it's also, you know, not to put too much emphasis on it, but it, it, it's cool that uh, this version of Mary Jane's a person of color. Like, that's something you don't see often in movies. Yeah, this movie does a lot of that, right? With his friend, teachers, and, you know, sort of the classmates you see around. I don't know. I, I felt good in this movie sort of seeing people of you know various skin colors yeah it's cool cultures yeah uh it's it's a very you know smart modernization of you know these old spider-man characters yeah most of all of whom are white pretty much i think that's a good aspect of this movie i think you know the action works well it was interesting enough um like that's why you know this is sort of a fun movie for me what are some of your it's the hero he's got his problems he's got some of his friends that have comedic elements it looks nice it's you know diverse cast all these nice things and it comes to the end and it's exciting that's why i enjoyed it what are some of your problems with it not much of it has has the weight i feel it should you know i think we get a good sense of peter parker's interiority with him wrestling with um tony stark's death in avengers but i i I think this movie is lacking sort of a an inspirational moment like homecoming had where in that movie you have the bit where he's trapped under the rubble and the part I love where, you know, he looks into the water and there's his mask and he's like, uh, you know, I'm Spider-Man, I've got to do this. And he starts saying, come on, Spider-Man. 
uh, and he lifts up the rubble, and that's rad. I, I think it's a really cool, very essential Spider-Man moment, like, you know, because Peter Parker, once he becomes Spider-Man, that's the moment where, you know, he decides that he needs to be an adult, right? He needs to take responsibility for his actions. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that moment in Homecoming for me really encapsulated that, and you don't really have a similar thing here. Actually, this movie does a little backtracking, I think, or maybe I don't remember the first movie so well, but I feel like in this one... Peter, his whole thing in this movie is trying to avoid his responsibility, in my opinion. Yeah. Which is, isn't the whole Spider-Man thing, power and responsibility? I don't, I didn't understand what was going on in this movie. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand why they were going for that plot there. Mm-hmm. That, you know, character sort of idea where Peter's trying to get a break. Like, isn't, didn't he learn in the first one or am I forgetting? You know, even though him learning that lesson is very essential to the character. It's also something that keeps coming back, and I, I'm okay if he's, you know, making mistakes throughout his life. Like, that that reads very true to the character to me. Okay, fine. At first, he wants to go on vacation. He isn't being entirely responsible as Spider-Man. But then, by, you know, at one point, Nick Fury's like, hey, come with me. We need your help, right? And he's like, no thanks. Like, I, like right. that just... That, that feels like the opposite of feels like he still needs to someone like he needs he feels like uncle ben needs to come up to him and die and tell him that with great power comes great responsibility yeah and, you know, like <laughs> sort of that that part of this movie where peter's like ignoring like is is this movie trying to do it that he's still learning that lesson or was he supposed to have learned it last time that's my question yeah it's it's unclear i mean it's unclear if uncle ben even like you know had that effect in this version you know we we haven't seen him is the thing <laughs> All right. Uh, and well, I, I think, you know, it, w- it was a smart choice to avoid that origin since, you know, we've seen it a dozen times. Sure. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it does come around to hurt the character just a little bit. Yeah. Well, that was a little silly to me. I, I also didn't feel like it really went anywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. it didn't, like, he didn't really learn any. What do you think that Peter learned in this movie? I, think I mean, the, the, the thing about that is there, there's no real character development in the climax of the movie. Like, Peter sort of learns his lesson in a conversation just before he goes off to have the big fight. I mean, just that he is he doesn't necessarily have to live up to Tony's legacy because he's Spider-Man, oh. you know, um, which sure. kind of works. Which is separate. That seems separate from yeah. his ignoring call for help. Right, I, don't know. I mean... That, that doesn't seem very connected to me. That's why this is a little confusing in that way. You can draw a couple parallels, I suppose. Um, it's not an extremely thematically coherent movie, I guess. Okay, yeah. I, okay I guess I agree which with Which is, is one of the things... It's one of the things that bothers me about the movie, actually. Right, all right, um, all right. They don't perfectly resolve everything. Uh, what do you think of uh, our pal Mysterio? Uh, I liked him. He's great in this. <laughs> yeah, I liked him too. He starts. I don't know. Uh, I always forget the name of the actor, but he's so handsome. I, I just all. and charismatic, and he just he comes on and talks to Spider. At first, he's you know not exactly revealed to be the villain, and he's just sort of like really nice to Peter, and I. I just really like him. Like, I, I really want to be his friend. I, I don't know. <laughs> and, like, even when he turned out to be the villain, which I sort of, I, I knew because I know that Mysterio is a bad guy, just from, you know, yeah, pop culture. But, like, I also, like, I, I didn't really see it coming because I wasn't thinking about it. I was just, like, really into being Mysterio's friend. And I, I really like that. And I think that that was a really cool part of this movie. Just sort of, like, really feeling comfortable around him. And so when that twist does come, even though I knew it was going to happen, if I actually thought about it, I sort of wasn't thinking about it, and it was fun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's something that actually I think they do very well in just yeah. making you forget that Mysterio is that character. Yeah, 
feel like that twist does a, a good there's a couple things about that twist is that it's sort of in that moment where it's revealed it does a lot of making fun of itself the movie because before that moment you're like wow this you know villain backstory is pretty dumb this you know well this, you know these these monsters attacking of the various elements and you're like wow that's pretty dumb right like, the I, story you, know, of... you and i looked at each other in that moment and we're like what the hell is this and it's sort of you know it makes sense in the end because it turns out it was all a lie which is great um and then there's, there's also a sort of a humorous aspect there where it's cutting to all of the people tony stark has wronged and sort of like this is weird like i don't know if these people are actually in the movies but like cutting back to like what seems to be iron man one and mm-hmm. like some of those were actually in the iron man movies okay so it cuts to like various points in the iron man movies and it's like people Tony has been mean to or something just for like a second. It's like a clip show. So this felt like a little more like making fun of itself. I didn't mind, but it, you know, I felt if maybe I was more of a fan, I might be a little off put by, but I thought they were funny and they worked. Right. Yeah. Um, this movie's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot uh, of funny I, moments. I like how they still found a way to work in like, you know, Mysterio is a special effects artist into his uh, yeah. character here. Like it's a Definitely. really cool way of doing that. Uh, uh, I think about some of the like uh, Mysterio like CGI you know hallucination adventures. Uh, I thought that some of this movie looked like a video game, but at the same time those scenes were pretty cool. I agree with both those statements. I wish uh, actually there was more of it. Honestly, more of the makes Mysterio cool, and so I wish there was more of that. Yeah, more of the sort of like uh, not even like hallucinations basically. Yeah, uh, I thought that was cool. There was a, oh there was a weird thing in this movie, Joe, where. Uh, it's established early on that I didn't even realize it was establishing this that his spider sense is off. I wait what? And then it comes back. Yeah. When does that Remember happen? His, his Peter Tinkle, his Peter, right? Remember? Oh movie? yeah. She throws a banana at him and he doesn't catch it and she's like, "Oh man, this is on me." She's like, "I thought your, you know, Peter Tinkle would would have caught that." He's like, "Oh, oh." And I get, you know, I I realized that that was establishing that it was off only later when I when I realized it was back on. Do you know what I mean? Huh. He came back and he was like, "Oh, the Peter Tinkle's back," and I was like, "It was gone." I was like, "That's ridiculous." Um, I didn't, and I didn't understand that why. You remember now, though, right? I mean, I th- I think that's probably riffing on like the thing from Spider Man Two, where like he's losing confidence in himself, so he's losing his powers. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, I didn't realize it happened, and I didn't realize why it was happening. It was just sort of thrown in there in a weird way, and I didn't like it. Yeah, that's I how just... he wins the fight in the end, Joe. Oh yeah, he uses his You're spider right. sense. Fair point. I I this is I a didn't big part of this movie, that. Sort of. Yeah, I don't know. Another thing I liked was you know seeing various European cities. That was cool. Yeah, um, looked nice. I think I'm done talking about Spider Man. That's that's the end of my opinions. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm done there too. All right. Uh, Overall, more... I would recommend it. Joe, you would not. I I, w- I would still recommend it. I I really no, like Spider Man. I I I just I I think this movie is on the weaker side for what it is. It's still you know enjoyable. It better or worse than the first one? Worse. Okay. Better has... or worse than Amazing Spider-Man? Better. Good. That was a trick question. Better or worse <laughs> yes. than Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man? I, you know, I think I like that one better. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I watched it the other yeah, day. Yeah, it's super good. People forget those movies are great. They're great. I was... Spider-Man 3 isn't even that bad. People say it's the bad one. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. I agree. I, Joe, I was thinking about when we read the Ultimate comic last week. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about, man, how do you even like start a Peter Parker? How do you do a Peter Parker origin story without being boring and the same thing? And I started, you know, I, I watched the original Spider-Man again this weekend. And I was like, wow, there it is. That's how you do it. He goes, you know, this is my, my, my name is Peter Parker. This is my story. And like oh, right, stories, right. this is a love story. And I was like, wow, there it is. That's how you do it. And it was just pretty perfect in that way. And I really, really like that movie. 
I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's super good. It's really good. Yeah. It's probably I definitely liked it more than Far From Home. Yeah. So that's my opinion. I I don't actually know if I liked Far From Home better than Spider Man Three. I haven't seen Spider Man Three in a long time. You probably did. I, I yeah probably. Uh, okay. Well, there's our Spider Man ranking. Yes. Let's move on. All right. Let us move on. All right. Uh, this week, like we do every week, Joe. Yes. You and I will try to remember the lyrics to uh, another song that we vaguely know. Oh, is is that um, what we're doing? Yes, Joe. It is what we're doing. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh boy. Um, the song I picked, <laughs> Joe. The song I picked is yeah. "Don't You Want Me, Baby" by the Human League, <laughs> and you're not allowed to look up the lyrics. Okay. Buddy. What? I don't. I, I only remember the chorus. <laughs> what? That is a lie. You and I have sung this together, Joe. You're lying. You know, I I can get it if you like feed me the song. I'm but I I, I I cannot. It starts like this. You were working as a waitress at a cocktail bar. Okay. What's the next bit? <laughs> when I met you. Yep. See, you do know it. Um. I actually, forgot. I, Hold on. Yeah, I I don't know the next part. When I met you. I, I picked you up, I turned you up, I turned you around, I turned you into someone new. Yeah, right? Right. Right? And then? Um, uh, uh is it five years later on? Bingo. Um, what was happening five years later on, Joe? We've had such good times. No, we've got, no. you've got the world at your feet. You've got the world at your feet. Yeah, um, success has been so easy for you. Okay, go. I have no idea. Um, something, something, but I can put you back there too. Something like that. Ah, oh, it's forget you. It's me who put you where you are now, and I can put you back there too. Okay, now you do the right, chorus. Right, the weird, the weird threatening the going on in that song. Yeah, yeah, the threatening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now sing the chorus. Don't you want me, baby? Don't yeah, you yeah. want me now? Oh. <laughs> All right, good, perfect. And then we shift See? into the, the, the part of the song where it's the woman singing and saying, yeah, actually, you're a dick. Well, really? Is that, I, I don't know. Oh, God. I feel I... Like, what? Are you with the I man didn't... in that song? No. No, you're with the no. woman. I, I feel like they both got some perspectives. You know, I feel like it's good to consider both. No. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics, so. Oh, should we? Shall we? I don't think, I, I think this segment has gone on long enough. <laughs> Okay, well, she was working as a waitress at a cocktail bar. That much, that, is, that true. Much is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Interesting. Um, All right, Joe. Closing have, out, uh, do you have a white coat for us? I do. This is from the comic book series Giant Days, a podcast favorite. I can't imagine life before the triangular sandwich packet. It must have been a bloodbath. This has been right. Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. If you want to find us yep. online, my Twitter handle is at JobyDraws, and my webcomic, Aeronaut, updates every Monday and Friday on JobyDraws.com. Uh, Nick, do you, you got anything to plug? Did you get that? I did. <laughs> All right, excellent. Don't edit that out or I'll kill you. I won't. Uh, don't, forget, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help the show out. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
Ναι. Εντάξει. Επία. Εντάξει. Δεν το ξέρω. Εντάξει. Ναι. Να κάνω το στο δωμάκι. Ναι, πριν να πιω ψυχό. Ναι, εντάξει, ναι. Everything okay on your end? Yes. You being kicked out of the pool? Yes. Did you hear me? I did. 